0: Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Good. How are you doing? Great. Um, so, yeah, as Ollie said, we're in this series starting over based on a book written by friends of ours, John and uh, Dave Ferguson, who lead New Thing, which is the church planting network that Ivy's a part of worldwide with a aim, a bold vision to um, help to get planted 10,000 new reproducing churches by the end of 2020 and uh, there's churches being planted as a result of the kind of multiplication that's happening um, across um, this network all the time. Uh, We've got a big conference that's happening in November to which you're all welcome to come uh, if that's something that interests you uh, with some fantastic speakers um, which are going to help us look at how we start more churches to help more people find their way back to God. And um, I've got some good news to start off with, which is that after 30 years of marriage, I've discovered the way to make my wife happy. (laughs) Does any any husband want to know what that is? Any wives want their husbands to know what this might be? I'm sorry, this might not work for every marriage, but it works for mine. You're wondering what it is, aren't you? I've discovered if I ever want to cheer Zoe up, it's pretty easy. I just have to show her a funny animal video. That kind of works for Zoe. It's, it's a bit. This is her favorite. This is the first one, I think that she saw, which kind of got her going. And I've got to say it's pretty addictive, that's the problem. We've got the sound baby for this monkey, too Riding, on a, pig, baby monkey. Baby monkey riding baby on a pig monkey. Baby monkey riding on a pig Baby monkey on a pig. This gets Zoe in bits. So we will look at that and just say like, how can that not be the funniest thing in the world? And just be laughing her head off all the way through it. And the fact is, somebody made a song about it too. Um, And it will be in your head all day. Okay, so we've got another one in a minute. Who likes dogs? Hands up if you're a dog person. Hands up if you're a cat person. Mm, Hands up if you're a dog person. Okay. Ten times better. Dogs are just ten times better than cats. Just saying. And... It's in the Bible somewhere, <laughs> and the, th- the thing is with it, I, I'm definitely a dog person, I love that, I think dogs are really clever, dogs can be trained to do all kinds of things, I've got a friend in a previous church who's trained her dog to be able to do all these jumps and to be able to go in and out of these zigzaggy things and all that kind of stuff, and, and to, you know, dogs are really, really clever. And um, at the same time, though, I have to admit, some people are thinking, well, I had a dog. It wasn't all that clever. Dogs can sometimes do some pretty stupid things, and this is what this next video is all about. Let's watch this next video. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think she'd really let (laughs) me. That was quite funny. (laughs) There it is. You get the idea? (laughs) Because they won't let go, they can't get anywhere. That's it isn't it? Because they won't let go, they can't go where they want to go. They can't get anywhere. And that leads us into this next talk in our series about how to deal with our regrets. If you missed any of the last couple of talks, I'll give you the one-minute catch-up. We've said everybody has regrets in life, but the problem is we can end up getting stuck in this thing called the sorry cycle, where we long for things to be different or that things weren't the way they were. And the longing just leads us into more regret, and it goes round and round in circles, and you can't break out of that, and you can't break free. So how do you... Break free of that. Um, And as I say, it's based on this fantastic book, Starting Over, which we encourage you to, to get hold of. This is about recognizing that regrets don't actually have to have the last word in our lives, that actually they don't have to be the finish line for us, they can actually be the starting line into something new to free us up for the new future. So last week we talked about the first step in breaking free of the sorry cycle, and that was to recognize your regrets. Not to keep trying to push them down. Do you remember, did anybody here watch the video? I'm just trying to push them down and trying to keep them down and hold them down because they keep popping back up again. To actually be free, first of all, though, we have to recognise our regrets. We have to face them head on and call them what they are. And last week we talked about a man in the Bible who ended up doing that and recognised his regrets. Can anybody remember who we looked at last week? David, King David, the one who went and fought Goliath when he was a boy, ends up becoming the king, and, uh, and then he writes psalms. Lots of the psalms are written by David. He gets called a man after God's own heart, but even though he had all that going for him, he royally messed up. He sees a beautiful woman... Um, and she's called Bathsheba, and he wants her, the problem is she's married to somebody else, one of his generals, a guy called Uriah, so what he decides to do is he brings her into the palace, uh, has sex with her, she gets pregnant, he tries to cover it all up, thinks the best thing I can do is get Uriah killed, he has Uriah killed, just compounding the problem, and, uh, and then he acts like nothing's happened, brings Bathsheba into his house, says, now she's my wife, everything's fine, Until so a guy called um, uh, Nathan comes along, who is a prophet who confronts David about his sin, and now he has a choice: does he just still carry on? Does he just still does he cover it up, or does he own up? Cover up or own up? That's the the, uh, the question. Does he own up to what he's done? Does he? You know, he's he's a king. He could have power. He could get Nathan killed, same as he got Uriah killed if he wanted to. But actually, thankfully, David we saw last week chooses to own up to his screw up, and. Uh, This is what it says. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And that's him recognising his regret. Again, just to catch you up on this, we said there's three basic types of regret that we all get. We can regret lots of things, but basically you can regret an an action, something that you did, an inaction, something that you wish you'd done but you'd not done, or the regret could be a reaction to something that happened, something that happened to you that you didn't have any control over. Something maybe somebody did to you. So again, that regret might be the action. It might be that I really regret the harsh word that I spoke in that moment of anger. Or it could be inaction, that I missed out on that great opportunity. I didn't take that career move when I could have done it. And now I'm spending my time looking back and wishing that I had done it. Or somebody else recognises a regret of reaction because... That person hurt you or you that partnership dissolved and they treated you really badly and we punish ourselves for being so naive. How could I have fallen for it? Recognising the regret is great and it's the first step towards freedom, but it doesn't always break us out of the sorry cycle it isn't always enough to get there and I know that because as a church leader I've met with so many people who've found themselves in that cycle of regret going round and round and and they've even recognised what the problem is one guy a little while ago I spoke to and he recognised how he'd gone from bad to worse in his life and what he used to do to relax then became his habit and then became his hobby and then it kind of took over his life and before and it was like a gateway into all kinds of things where he ended up with gambling and then some drugs and various things like that and he could see that it was wrecking his family it was destroying his family, this thing that he was doing, so he recognised it, but that didn't actually change, I think, because recognising the regret wasn't enough, thing is we all have all kinds of information about what's right and what's wrong, don't we, if we applied it, we could could do it, if if information helped anybody, we'd all be millionaires with six packs, because it's available to us to find out all that, but we're not necessarily doing the things that get those results. So just recognising that something was wrong doesn't always break you out of the sorry cycle. If we're ever going to get breakthrough, we have to take the second step. That's today. The second step is, is to recognise your regrets is to release your regrets. Do you remember the dogs with the sticks? In order to go forward, in order to move somewhere, to be free, you have to let go. You have to let go. So... What do I let go of? Well, sometimes when something goes wrong, like the washing machine or the computer or this week it was my car, I ended up with all these flashing lights that suddenly came up on the car. And I was like, "Uh uh-oh, what does this mean? I haven't got a clue. And everything's so electronic these days, you can't fix anything yourself, can you? All that does is it tells you, get it to the garage, basically, because they'll be able to sort it out. And if it's something like on your computer or with your phone, you, you, have, you look on Google or whatever, and it'll take you off and, to a troubleshooting guide, won't it? And you know, So I look and I think, why is the light on my Apple TV, that red light, why is it flashing, what does that mean? And then I can look and find a troubleshooting guide. If it's doing this, it means this. The, the light itself is not the problem. We understand that, don't we? It's pointing to the fact that there is a problem. So we're going to go through a regrets troubleshooting guide. We're gonna ask some questions, we're gonna look at it, and then we're gonna say, well, you know, something isn't working the way that it's meant to be in our lives, some, the way in which we might have hoped it done, and that's a problem, but how do we actually diagnose what the real problem behind that problem is? So we've got these questions that can help us to identify and figure out what the God who loved us and made us for himself, what he says we can do in order to release the regret. So read out loud with me question number one. Do you, do you regret hurting somebody else? People can be horrible. And when I say people, I mean me. Sometimes I've recognised something about myself that when I'm maybe tired or stressed out or, or just upset, I can actually be very defensive. And I can push it down and try not to be, and then somebody will say something or do something, and it'll, like, it'll come out of me. Um, or it could be a little sarcastic remark, and it might not, you know, might not mean much, but actually to the person who receives it, it can be pretty horrible to be on the receiving end of me sometimes. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said this to his followers, if you enter your place of worship, so you're coming in here, maybe you got in here a little bit late, and you had to wait outside, sorry. But you're about to enter your place of worship, and you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you. So there's a problem relationally. Stop what you were about to do, leave immediately, go to the friend and make things right. Then and only then come back and work things out with God. How often has that ever happened, do you think, in, in, in coming to church? That we've been so attuned to God in coming into church that suddenly the Holy Spirit has brought to mind a relationship that needs to be resolved. And we said, sorry, I can't actually do church today. I need to go and sort something out. With that person, I need to resolve the kind of horizontal thing before I can come and make a pretend that there's some vertical things going on with me and God. Notice the order here. Jesus is very clear. God is saying, first go and sort the horizontal people stuff out. Then you'll be free to really worship me. How often have we got this wrong? How often have church people got this wrong? We thought it's alright for us to be funny and to be off and to be nasty and negative with other people maybe and then coming in, oh Jesus. And he says it's not all right. When our regret is hurting somebody else, we've got something to do, we need to ask forgiveness from the person that we hurt. Sounds simple, doesn't it? Uh Uh-oh, it's not, is it? Because I'm like, yeah, but that would mean I'd have to admit I was wrong. That would have to, or maybe it would mean I've got to, it's awkward, I've got to humble myself. In order to do that. The good news is God gives grace to who? To the humble, the Bible says. So if we humble ourselves, he's going to give us grace. So when we hurt somebody and ask forgiveness, we can receive grace to break free and release our regret. It's not enough just to recognise it. To release the regret, we have to ask forgiveness from the person. In Romans 12, verse 18, God says this. If it is possible as far as it depends on you live at peace with everyone so could the other person throw it back in your face that's a question yes yes they could could they just you know not even admit to any part that they've played in this problem yeah that bit doesn't depend on you does it this says as much as it depends on you. And then there, their own responsibility. When we've done everything that we can do to make peace, we find release. Did you hurt somebody? Even as I've been speaking, did God, the Holy Spirit, bring somebody, some situation to mind? Is there somebody that you need to go and actually make a plan? I'm not saying leave church right now because you want to get to the end of the talk. But you know, before you leave here, is there a plan? Somebody that you need to write to, speak to, text... Communicate with, go and say sorry to. Make a plan and make it happen. Number two, second troubleshooting question. Do you regret committing a sin? Not all of our regrets are because we've sinned, but many of them are. Sin is a very unpopular word in our culture, isn't it? Nobody really talks about sin these days. In fact, in our culture, the only sin is to offend somebody else for the choices that they've made. If you say that you don't agree with them or you're not sure that they're right. That is the unforgivable sin in our culture. But the Bible uses the word sin actually to describe anything that goes against God's pattern, God's perfect dream for our lives because sin separates us from God. In fact, sin is anything that separates us from God. Jesus came to show us that there is no unforgivable sin, actually, and no category of people who have to remain as sinners. Because sin is not a category of people. It's not even a list of things that people do. It's actions or attitudes that break the oneness, the unity, the love that God wants to have with us. Sin separates us from God. That's why he hates it. Sin is relational, not just transactional. Sin isn't just about breaking a rule. It's about breaking God's heart. When we hurt a person, you know what happens? It creates a distance between that person. When we sin, it's like we turn our backs on the God who made us. And a separation is caused on our part from him. Sin puts separation between God and me. It's like a cloud comes and blocks out the sun. And again, this goes beyond recognising. If recognising only leads to regretting but not repenting, I will still stay stuck. I'll say that again. If recognizing only leads to regretting and not repenting, I will remain stuck. Like, I just might feel sorry for myself, might feel sorry for the consequences, might be sorry that I got caught. Like the kid with jam all over his face eating the donut and like saying, it wasn't me. Maybe it's fear of embarrassment to own up. But David found release because he said these words, I've sinned against the Lord. And you might think, no, 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 David, you didn't just sin against the Lord, you sinned against Bathsheba in some way, and then you definitely sinned against Uriah in the things that you did. But David recognised there was something bigger going on behind that. There was somebody bigger who was offended by the actions that he took. He sinned against God. How do we release this regret? Ask God for forgiveness. Maybe praying to God isn't something that you're very used to. Maybe praying out loud is a bit you know, weird for you. You can write it down. That's what David did. He wrote out his confession to God. Do you know that's what he did? Imagine he wrote it out and then they made it into a song. Can you imagine if your greatest regret got made into a song and they were still singing about it thousands of years later? <laughs> that's what happened with David. But the reason why people are still singing about it and reading those words is because it resonates so much with our hearts. Whenever we break God's heart, It's such a great prayer to pray. He wrote this. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassions, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. David's owning up, not covering up. After the cover-ups, he owns up to the sins that is committed against God then he asked God to help him start over with these words creating me a pure heart a clean heart O oh God and renew a steadfast spirit within me do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me that's a confession prayer that's a heartfelt prayer of confession and David stepped away from that prayer I believe starting over he did business with God See, however ugly the sin, it's a beautiful thing to God. Whenever a a person is just honest with him about it and asks for forgiveness like that, have mercy on me. There's been times in my life, I've got to admit, that I've ended up, I've not known how to tell God how sorry I really am for the thing that I did or the thing that I didn't do. And I ended up just getting on my knees and opening Psalm 51 and reading this. And it was like David knew. And then God knew. And I was free. And I got released through repentance. In a few minutes I invite you to do that too. But not everything's a sin. Not everything that we might regret is a sin. The third one, troubleshooting question is, do you regret making a mistake? Because sometimes it wasn't a sin, it was just a mistake. But we still beat ourselves up about it just the same, don't we? We haven't sinned we still feel awful. How do you release this regret? Forgive yourself. It was a mistake. Everybody makes mistakes. Nobody's perfect. Stop chewing over that bone. Drop the stick. Release it. It was a mistake. You're not perfect. Nobody is. Forgive yourself. Release the regret. God says that to somebody here today. Was that a word from God for anybody here today? that you just need to forgive yourself. Put your hand up if that was you. Just don't realise it. Thank you, you've made a mistake. God says it's forgiven. Just you forgive yourself. And the final troubleshooting question is this. Maybe this wasn't about something that you did or something that you didn't do that caused you pain. The regret that you have is because you've been hurt in some way. Do you regret being hurt by someone or something? Maybe you were sick and ended up in an accident. Maybe you were... A young child and you were hurt by an adult. Somebody who should have looked after you hurt you. Maybe you lost a job or a business or an opportunity. When we regret something that happened to us and was outside of our control, that doesn't matter. We still feel the same shame, same bitterness. We still end up feeling sad. How many of us saw a movie called Unbroken? Anybody seen that film? Some people. Okay, Angelina Jolie directed it. It's an incredible true story about a guy who was an Olympic medalist and then he ends up being captured. He's, he's a pilot and his plane crashes and he ends up in a prisoner of war camp, Japanese prisoner of war camp, where he's tortured. Because, because of his background, he gets singled out for the most torture. They want to make an example of him. And when he got out, the story continues that when he comes out of prison, he ends up just in this downward spiral in his life. And he ends up heading towards alcoholism because he's so angry at the people who've done this to him. And he's, he just can't, can't see a way to get back at them. And it messes up his life for years. And then one day his wife said to him, I'm going to leave you unless you go and hear this young preacher whose name is Billy Graham. You've got to go and hear him or that's the end of our marriage. So he we went to see him. And then this is a little interview with the, uh, with the guy. My life changed in a matter of moments because I knew I was through getting drunk and I knew that I forgave my guards and I knew it was a miracle because I forgave the bird. (laughs) And that was the first night. First night in two and a half years, I didn't have a nightmare and I haven't had one since. When Louis realized that God can forgive him for all the rotten things he did in his life that he ought to be able to forgive those that had done him wrong. So forgiving the guards and the bird uh, was actually salvation for him. It really turned him around in an instant. He decided he needed to test his forgiveness to see if he really had truly achieved it. And he went back to Japan to meet the guards. Who had, who had abused him so terribly. He went to every single one, and looked him in the eye, and told him that he forgave him for mm-hmm. the treatment that he received when he was a prisoner of war. Isn't that amazing? I don't know what's happened to you, but I'm not sure many of us have been in a Japanese prisoner of war camp. And we might compare the stuff that we've gone through and not belittling that, but what Zamperini did was, even though there's something inside of us that cries out for revenge, and I know what you're like, I'm the same, it's like, but it hurts so much and how can I forgive that person? Well, Ephesians 4, the Apostle Paul tells us, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ, God forgave you. You draw strength from the God who forgave you and then you give it away to be able to forgive somebody else. Maybe God got you here because he wants you to have a hard conversation, first of all with yourself and with him, but then maybe with somebody else. Maybe he wants you to go to a person or write to a person and tell them that you forgive them. For some of you it might not be possible, it might not be safe, I understand that for you to have that kind of conversation. Perhaps you just need to write it out, what it was and then write the word forgiven across the page. Because I've been forgiven, I'm going to forgive. And then you're free. Maybe it wasn't even a person, maybe it's a circumstance, you can write that out. Maybe it's God you need to forgive, why did this happen? Why did you allow that to happen? You can pound on God's chest, he's your dad. your dad You'll listen to that. Perhaps releasing your regret, as I say, starts with you writing something out like David did on paper. And you don't even have to post the letter, but psychologists will agree. It's a massive act, a therapeutic act to write something out on paper. Do you regret being hurt by somebody or something? There's a way that you can be released from your regrets. I appreciate this is a tough message. So I just to give the Holy Spirit a few minutes to speak into our hearts. Would you stand? And just release the power of the Holy Spirit and his grace in this place. Come Holy Spirit now. Because we all have regrets. And God wants to meet us in them. Not just to deny them, not just to suppress them, not to try and cover them up or repress them. That's not the way healing comes. And healing can start in this place. God can do more in a minute than you could do in 10 years yourself trying to work things out. I'm going to invite you to put a hand up high if you know that God has spoken to you today about the regret that you... the thing that you did, the thing that you didn't do, what was done to you. And if you know that you've been like a dog... With a giant stick that you've held onto something and it's been keeping you from moving forward, I want you to put up a hand to say, that, Yeah, that's me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Put it up high. And it may be hard, but you know, if somebody else is wondering about it, it's harder to hang on. How far in the future do you intend to carry the pain of your past? Hold it up, just imagine that, squeeze it tight. Make a fist, squeeze it tight. This is what it feels like to go through life holding on to something that's holding you back. Maybe God's just vaguely or specifically pinpointed something in your life. It's not so that you can be, remain there, it's so you can start over. Starting over is for everybody. So you can live a life beyond regret. And it starts with a decision that you're not going to let your biography determine your destiny. Just like David did, you can release your regret to God. I love it. In the message version of Psalm 51, David says, God, make a fresh start in me. And if that's what you want, even as it's getting tiring, holding your arm up and like that, just symbolically, I invite you to open your hand to release it. Now, in the name of Jesus, release that to Him as you say, Say those words, God, make a fresh start in me. He hears that prayer, say it again, God, make a fresh start in me. And in the name of Jesus, as an ambassador of Christ, I declare that the regret that you have been holding on to, consciously or subconsciously, that is now broken. You do not have to carry it anymore. The story that you've played over and over in your mind stops. You can move forward, you can live free. No more sorry cycle. In the name of Jesus, his blood cleanses and purifies us from the past and enables us to have power to live in the future. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. And the new has come. And that means you and that means me. And we get to live in resurrection power. Resurrection power in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.